Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch. And I've got my barbarous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Were you Australian for a second there? <laughs> sure, why not? And I've got my friend, Matt. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like how you turn into a miner randomly on the regular show. No, no, I don't turn into a miner. I turn into a Russian who is then Scottish, or I turn into a cowboy. Both of those things happen. But y'all, 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 why am I saying y'all? There's no reason for this. Well, in the spirit of them dare emails, uh, as Matt sometimes says on Tuesdays, uh, this week we're going to address one item, I think, from a couple weeks ago, and then we're going to start in with a topic that was given to us by our friend Fuzz over on the Discord channel. Uh, So first of all, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the scar and answering the question regarding the scar as far as Sylvanas's uh, face goes. Uh, Matt and I definitely uh, talked about how it was caused by a non-magical weapon. Well, uh, I was wrong. Perfectly fine with that because I completely forgot that it was done by uh, Chalamet. It was done by uh, Varian and Anduin's sword after it was given to uh, Sarfang. Uh, or wielded by Sarfang. Uh, and that's just sort of one of those things, folks. Like, and, and while, you know, pointing it out to us, great. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, remember, don't be mean about it. Uh, and also realize that Matt and I wind up having a lot of stuff that we try to remember on a regular basis. And sometimes things just slip. Uh, so we don't mind you keeping us honest. But yeah, so just so you know, the scar was definitely caused not by uh, Sarfang's axe, uh, but by the magical sword once wielded by Varian Rin, now wielded by Anduin, which now is wielded by uh, piloted drone Anduin. I don't know how to pronounce Honestly, it. I don't know if that's the same weapon. <clears throat> I don't know. There's no way for us to know if he made a new weapon that looks like it or if they changed it. Mm-hmm. That's that's not... I mean, it looks like it probably changed, but also, because I know someone's going to point this out, it was Thrall's axe. Correct. Thrall gave him the axe, and for all we know, it's a magic axe. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I, there's no like no lore story about the axe yet, but who knows? Uh, but yeah. 
Yeah, and again, sometimes we are going to forget things. It's just going to happen, so bear with us. Uh, but now that that's out of the way, we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, something that I thought was actually kind of cool. Matt thought it was kind of cool, and it gives Matt an excuse to talk a whole heck of a lot more about Diablo, and it fits in with lore. So why not? Uh, Fuzz asked us, uh, basically just said, I would love a lore watch episode or series on the lore behind the classes in Diablo. There's a ton of classes in Diablo. Some of them mm-hmm. actually do have a lot of lore, but this is where I'm going to let Matt take it away and kind of talk right. about what he wants to talk about there. I mean, this there are a lot of classes, and some of them have like really deep story that I'm that I don't know everything about yet. Um, for instance, Diablo Immortal is going to be establishing the lore of the demon hunters. Oh, that's uh, right. We we, yeah, we know that demon hunters exist. We know that they hunt demons, but in Diablo Immortal, you're going to see the kind of origins of the order. You're going to see like the first demon hunters get together and start hunting demons, and it's not as simple as you know they they don't just go out in the woods like with a pickup truck and some beer and and cover themselves in, in demon urine uh they're, they're actually there's a, a whole lot more to it this is my stab at annoying all my friends from when i was a kid uh <laughs> I, I did a lot of hunting as a kid uh but basically i'm going to start with like some of the ones that are the easiest to, to talk about like for instance the barbarians and the druids are actually tight they're, they're very closely connected because the the each each group was founded by one of the Nephilim, the original Nephilim. Uh, the barbarians are founded by Bolkathos, obviously, and the, the druids are, were founded by a guy named Fyaklagiar. Uh, Fyaklagiar has got a few names, so you might have heard a different name for him, but the one I'm using is Fyaklagiar. And the two of them were basically they they acted like they were brothers. I don't know if they actually were brothers. I, I this is one of those situations where. It's never been really clarified if they were if they were descended from like a specific angel and demon, or if there's who who their ancestors were, or if they were themselves directly related. But they they behaved as if they were brothers. They did everything together. And as things went down with Anarius and the Worldstone, and the, and the world was changing, the two of them realized that there was eventually the the everything that they uh had happened with the angels and the demons and Lilith and all of that, there was going to be, the conflict was going to come to sanctuary. They were like, no, this is not going to work. And they realized the world stone and the world of sanctuary itself need to be protected. But how do we do that? How how are we going to protect the world? And each of them had their own idea and they, they couldn't come to a agreement on it. They were like, okay, well, we don't want to do, we don't want to be like Lenarian and we don't want to be like Esu who's the founder of the, the various mage clans was Esu. That was another Nephilim. We'll get, we'll get to that. But they didn't want to do those things. They had their own ideas, but they didn't, they couldn't come to an agreement. Like, how are we going to do this? Uh, so Fiocligar is like, look, why don't we just, each of us will, will just do our own thing. We'll, we'll each try our approach and see if it works. And Bolkatos was like, all right, that makes sense to me. So they went to a group of people who uh, lived in the north and they lived in where's now the dread wastes and what was at the time, you know, just I forget what it was called actually before it was the, became the dread wastes. Uh, but they they lived there, and they said, okay, those of you who want to try Bolkathos's method, he's going do, to take. Do you, you mean to the, the dreadlands? Yes, thank you. It okay. was the dread wastes now. No, no, the um, dreadland dread wastes was. Uh, I thought that was uh, Mr. Pandaria. I thought the dreadlands was the. Badlands, which was the northern steppes, wasn't it? Am I misremembering? It's your that? fault that I'm looking at this map now. <laughs> I, I, I'm fairly, I, I'm fairly confident I remember it being the northern steppes before. 
Okay, Dreadlands on my current map, so I'm going to go with Dreadlands. But that's the area yeah. where these people lived. Um, I don't know what it was called before. I don't, I, I don't know what it was before it became the Dreadlands. I can't remember the name, unfortunately. I don't, I don't have an older map. Uh, let's see if I can actually find the Diablo 2 map. The internet says Northern Steps, so it says I was right. Okay. Do, 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 do. Here's the... Uh... Anyway, they, they got together, and they got a bunch of people together, and... Like I said, Bull Cathos, you know, put out his offer, and he said, "If you want to follow me in the direct defense of where the of the mount of the Sacred Mountain, then come with me." And Fiaclagaro's like, "If you want to learn how to defend the entire natural world from things that are unnatural, then come with me." And the the people split into two groups. One of them went north further with uh, Bull Cathos and became the barbarians, the, the ancestors of the people we call the barbarians. They obviously called themselves the children of Bull Cathos. They didn't call themselves barbarians. To them, they were the only civilized people because they were defending the sacred mountain. That's and the only people they recognized as kin were the were the druids who went over to Skazglen, which was across. I can't remember what that body of water is called, but it's the one where Dionsai is is in. Uh, Skazglen was across that from what is now the Dreadlands, and. The, the druids of, of Skazglen took up the, the teachings of Fyakla who taught them how to tap into the natural world, how to, you know, do various druid magic, shapeshift, all that, all that kind of thing. It's kind of like, if you look at the way the barbarians versus the druids work, it's like internal versus external changes. Like, the stuff that the barbarians do, it's all, like, they don't really change form. The, the closest they get is they get super huge, they get jacked up if they use the, certain ancients' powers. Mm-hmm. But it's all about tapping into your ancestors and tapping into that kind of, you know, change that, that drives you. But it doesn't – you stay you. You're still you. You're just t- tapping into the inner self. You're tapping into the inner power. Um, with the druids, it's about external change. They, they become things. They – they change, they change shape. They become werebears and werewolves, and summon natural forces. And it's it's that kind of the world versus the self split that that the two brothers kind of exemplified. And that's that's the origin. That's the rough, bare bones origin of the two groups. We're going to find out more, obviously, in Diablo Four, and we should see a little bit more in Diablo Immortal because we're going to see the the barbarians basically st- stuck around Ariat and defended it for countless e- you know eons they they were there for you know, all of recorded history throughout all of uh sanctuary like and people like Kanduras and uh Westmarch tried to conquer them repeatedly tried they were trying to spread the uh the religion of oh bloody heck I can't remember the name of the stupid religion I'm going to feel so stupid when this finally pops into my head. I cannot remember the name of this <laughs> bloody religion. Do you remember the name of the religion, I Joe? I do not, actually. Oh, my heck. I'm going to have... No, I I, I even... You're going to have to talk while I look this up. When you had like figures like Rackus, who is the, the founder of, of, of Westmarch, you know, he's the first king, he tried to conquer the barbarians to bring the Zacharum faith north and replace their ancestor worship, and he couldn't do it. Like they they turned him repeatedly. Like every time he came up, he's remember he started off in in Kajistan. He was like one of the the people of that nation, and he founded Westmarch and and brought his Zacharum faith to it, uh, basically to get him out of the way of the people who were actually in charge in Zacharum. Who I mean, and in, yeah, in the Zacharum faith and in Kajistan, because they didn't want him to essentially lead a civil war in their country and and fight for dominance. Uh, but it's really funny, like like I said, the barbarians turned everybody. It, it wasn't until Baal showed up and led basically 
every demon he could find, like north to the to Mount Ariat, that they they finally failed, and unfortunately, their failure caused the corruption and then destruction of the Worldstone, which effectively destroyed their culture because their entire their sense of self, their culture, was built around defending Mount Ariat directly. Uh, it it kind of looks like the Druids had the better idea if you're looking at the way the world is right now in Sanctuary, because the the Barbarians, their whole thing was defend this at all costs, and unfortunately, when you pay all costs and it's not enough, and now the Worldstone's gone, what happens? How do you defend Sanctuary now? Like, what are you defending it? How, like, do you, do you, what do you do? They're, they're kind of like, some Barbarian tribes are like, have descended into madness and started like going and turning into cannibal monsters. Like, I don't know if they're demon-corrupted or not. I think we're going to see some of that in Diablo Immortal. We're going to see some of the effects of the pieces of the corrupted Worldstone. Because that's the other problem. When the Worldstone got corrupted and then destroyed, the pieces of it rained down across all of Sanctuary, and they were all corrupted. So their demonic power is like, you know, Baal's power is infused through them, and they're, they're being used by demons. I think that's the basic premise of Diablo Immortal, is that they're being used by demons to wreak untold havoc. And that's a thing we're going to see. I think we're going to see some of the the barbarians just straight up falling to corruption. Uh, and that's that's we, we know that's established in Diablo three that that happened, but we haven't seen it yet. And that's the actually interesting thing about Diablo Immortal is a lot of stuff we're going to talk about in terms of the lore of these various groups, the the classes and races and peoples of Sanctuary. Uh, that lore is was established between Diablo two and three, but we never saw it. Like, we saw the world, like, 20 years after. We didn't see all the stuff happening. Diablo Mortal, we're actually going to see it happening. So that's that's interesting to me. Um, but as for the Druids, the Druids have spent all this time, you know, learning Druid magic. We, we saw a Druid character in Diablo 2 coming forth to defend the world. And we're going to see in Diablo 4, we're going to see what the... We're going to... Diablo 4 is going to be set in Skazlan. So we're going to see what a place run by the Druids is like. What what the the original like what what have they done? What are their people like? What are their settlements like? That we're gonna see. We're gonna see it. What a, the druid nation itself is like, it, which we, we've never done before. No, we haven't. And what's interesting about like the druids in particular to me is the fact of one where they're located. So Skazglen is. If you think of Diablo as having like, I, I don't even know if I would. It's technically one continent. I think um, it's effectively split right down the middle. But it's if you a look fa- at sanctuary. Yeah. Sanctuary has this body of water that is it's a it's a sea. It's called the Twin Seas. Well, there's the uh, Sea of Light at I think it's the southern hemisphere and then the Frozen yeah. Sea which is the northern hemisphere. But the sea the sea the Twin Seas goes right up between the two part the two halves of of sanctuary. It divides the dry steppes in the Kedjistan area from the mountains yeah. and Enduris and Westmarch. Yeah, and so the interesting thing is like like Matt pointed out, like the barbarians, they make their home in one of the northernmost parts of that particular side of the continent. Uh, so above at Skazglen, there is this like the land is always is like this weird in between of like desert slash like tundra ish. Uh, like with like the if you've ever lived in a, ta- a city or a, t- a place where like that in between of winter where there's not snow it's not on the buffalo ground, it's not buffalo joe it's not buffalo no uh but when you have like the dead trees almost but like nature's still there and still present that's almost what it comes across uh because just below them is the dry steps just below them that is uh Kezhistan, uh, which has Chaldeum, uh, and it's roughly where they say that the the demon hunter home 
homeland is or starting area is for for demon hunters where they call home uh in that area and then just off to the north west from where skaz glen is is Jansai, or, or I'm probably pronouncing that horribly, horribly wrong, but the homeland or island of the wizards, right? So, like, druids are in this really interesting place where the land is not exactly lush and vibrant. It's it's a harsh land. Them being druids seems to play into that because it's like they're almost tending to it and keeping that area uh, just from the sheer power of their commu- communication with nature. Druids have always been my favorite class in Diablo. Um, just because instead of using traditional magic, uh, and instead of, you know, imposing their will on the world, they're, they're sort of like the classic druid, right? Uh, they, their magic is all based on their bound to nature. Uh, they have a kinship with the world of sanctuary itself, which is interesting because they're one of the few, I think, classes that have a history of treating sanctuary almost as a living, breathing entity of its own, which as you know, we, we understand it's a creation, right? So I think it's really interesting in that fact. Uh, the fact that they command not just the elements, but but nature or, or implore upon it to come to their aid, uh, as well as different animal companions. And uh, we talked about them being able to morph into, uh, in this case, like uh, werebear and werewolf were the two forms from Diablo 2 that they were able to take. And the interesting thing to me is that it seemed to almost parallel a lot of the fighting styles that the barbarians had at the time, uh, just way more literal. <laughs> uh, but I always absolutely adored them, and I'm I'm interested to see more about their land. Um, but it's especially because there's no urban centers, right? They're not a city place. I think they have one area. I think it's what is it like Tur Delura, something like that. That's like in their general vicinity. Uh, It's a druid college of all places. Uh, And it has a giant oak tree, which is like super stereotypical druid thing. But like it, it just speaks to me as far as like, this is a really cool thing. And they, they, the druids were born from the barbarians, weren't they? Like they, they all had common ancestry. Well, they, like I said, the same two, the same people, the Volkathos and Fiaclagiar came to them and said, okay, uh, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to try and do. If you want to come with, if you want to go with Volkathos and, and defend you know, you know, the world stone, go ahead. And if not come with me. Uh, and that's how they, they basically split up. They are effectively, I mean, they, they were at one point one people and then they split up into two. They, they came from the area that's, you know, was called the Northern steps or the wastes. See, I told you that was the wastes, uh, what have you. That area is where they originally come from, but some of them went to Skazglen with Fjallagjar, and so they've lived there for a long time. Uh, it's 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 essentially their home. They are they are from there. They've been there for a long time. Uh, Turdolra is essentially, like you said, it's a it's where Fjallagjar led them. It's the first place they settled. Uh, most of Skazglen is it's it the most it's villages. I think as of Diablo Four, the place is overrun by the drowned. Which is interesting uh, because, like, yeah. the, what is it, Glor, Glor Fida? I can again, my pronunciations are going to be absolutely atrocious, and I apologize, but that oak tree is, like, isn't it, like, a holy symbol for them? Like, it's a revered item or a revered entity to them, as far as, like... I, I them- think it's, yeah, it's it's part of the, I think it's where they made their pact with, uh, with Fiocla Gear. but the thing is, is that a lot of the stuff we have is, 
like the history of the druids going back to like it's it's basically just one little entry in the Diablo 2 book. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that I think will change and expand as we move into the thing. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the entry from the original uh the Diablo handbook right now cuz we actually have the book right here. So uh if you look at it the in the ancient tome of the druids the the Sialf Fada and if you think his pronunciations are bad I am deeply sorry because <laughs> mine are like, you know, but it's written that Bolkathos, the great and ancient king of the barbarian tribes, had a mysterious but trusted confidant who is only referred to as Fiacla Gyar. This man is sometimes described as Bolkathos' closest friends and other times he's referred to as his brother. So, yeah, it was they, they basically came together and they were like, well, here's my idea. And each of them thought, well, your idea is cool, but I want to do my idea is how it come, ultimately works up. And the, the druids actually have a name for what's going on right now. The whole thing with the the uh, attack of the, the demons on Sanctuary, it's and I you you got me man how to pronounce this, but the Ulioshkara Moor, the final battle between the the men of the world and the demons of the Burning Hells, and that's the thing that the two of them were preparing for. And it almost seems like that fits in with what they're prepping for Diablo Four, as far as that goes, and why the druids are going to be involved in general, right? Well, like- I mean, basically, if you played a druid in Diablo two Lord of destruction, you were fulfilling the, the, the terms of that prophecy because you're the first Druid to ever go back to Mount Ariat. The Druids like never returned after they left. They never went back. Well, that was a vow they took, right? Like that, they said that they wouldn't go back until the time, the the final battle. Yeah, exactly. It was part of that whole thing. It's like, we're not going back until the, so that was the start of the final battle. Essentially, the past, ever, since then, to, to, from Diablo 2 to Diablo 4, that's been what's happening. This is the final battle, as far as they're concerned. Um, and, yeah, the, the fact that the Drowned are, like, attacking Skosglen, that they're, like, they've overrun it, essentially, means that the Druids are extremely, they've, we, we, don't, we don't know yet exactly what's happening with the Druids, why they haven't stopped this. Like, maybe they can't. I don't know. Maybe they're, like, pushed too thin. We don't know what's going on, but yeah, the, the, that's interesting. To that's the the, the storyline of the druids is about to like come full circle, where like they've instead of returning to defend the the world against the demons, they seem to be incapable of defending their own territory, and we don't know what's going on with that. Yep, didn't they? Um, and this is gonna maybe be an an odd one. Didn't the druids also participate supposedly in the mage clan wars? Not exactly. They basically that that was the whole deal with with Usa. I want to say Usa, but it might be Isu. Um, but they effectively said, no, you don't bring your magic up here. They had a name for it. Um, hmm, I can't remember the name. Uh, there it is. Uh, Dub Drolakia. Like that's traditional magic. They were, they were like straight up. We're not, we're not dealing with your traditional magic. We're not part of this. Don't bring it up here. We're not going to get involved. Uh, the Mage Clan Wars took place mostly in Kajistan. And while the wizard is from Ziancial, sorcery is not from Zionsial. It's it's mm-hmm. from Kedjistan. That's where Kedjistan was started by wizards and sorcerers and it was it was their magic that caused the Mage Clan Wars that basically if you go, when you're doing Diablo 2, 3 and you're wandering around the desert and you see all that weird stuff, that's the leftovers from the Mage Clan Wars. Uh, they literally destroyed the area around them. I guess that's a good time that we should segue into talking about sorcerers and wizards and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot. A lot of this goes back to the Mage Clan Wars, and uh, this is really complicated. Uh, I mentioned Esu. Esu is another one of the of the Nephilim, and one of the wizard clans, uh, the Zan Esu, 
who are the uh, the ancestors of the sorcerers. Uh, the Zanisu were like really big on understanding and controlling the elemental forces of the world, and they split into multiple clans. But the Zanisu were, were one of the big ones. Uh, they basically fought over control of w- what was the biggest empire in the world at the time. And this is, I want to say, this is pre-Zakarum, but I don't. I'm not 100 percent on w- when the Zakarum actually started. It's a, it's figuring out when the Zakarum started is not easy uh it's its origins are mysterious it was definitely after the the zakarum started after what we call the sin war which is the battle where odyssean Keldroma discovered he was a nephilim and that whole bit with inarius and the legion i mean and not the legion sorry wrong franchise guys uh inarius and lilith and the angels and demons basically that whole bit where lilith returned and attempted to return the Nephilim to power and, and d- depose Anarius as part of her plan to use the Nephilim to ultimately win the uh, eternal conflict for herself. Uh, that was all way before the founding of the Zacharum. And we don't know exactly when because the end of the Sin War erased the Sin War from existence. Mm-hmm. Like when Odyssean did what he did, he reset the world so that none of the stuff that had led to him becoming a Nephilim had happened. He reset the world stone so that it was no longer losing its power. Uh, and essentially he became, he sort of sacrificed himself and became like a God at the same time. It's, it's hard to explain exactly what, what, what happened with that. But when, I don't know if I should talk about the Zakarum and, and the, the, the paladins and the crusaders here, or if I should talk about the mage clan wars, but um, when the, the Zanesu were formed, uh, they were following Nesu's, footsteps and that meant that magic amongst the mage clans became codified and the codification was based around the elemental magics like if you look at the original diablo and the sorcerer or the sorcerers from diablo 2 you'll notice their powers are very elemental based well isn't that also born part of their vow or pact never to summon demons or do any more demonic magic or at least a couple of them i think it was what the there were there were three mage clans i think right I think yes. there were more than three originally. But, but three big ones, the, the three major ones, right? Because I remember, I think it was the Aeneid and the Amuet were the ones that said that no maid should ever summon another demon into Sanctuary and, like, focused and started shifting their uh, magic focus into more of the elements. Uh, yeah, originally there were apparently seven, there were seven major and seven minor clans originally. But the ones we know about, the the Visuri, the Ennead, and the Amunult. Those are the three that that are the biggest, the most famous. The uh, the Tan and Zanesu clans uh, are both powerful now. That's they weren't always historically so. Which is interesting because the Zanesu are based around the teachings of Esu, mm-hmm. who is like I said, that ancient Nephilim. But the Zanesu aren't. They're they're one of the oldest of the clans, but they were very secretive for a very long time, and so as a result, they didn't they didn't basically the Mage Clan wars they didn't take part. They were like, no, we have nothing to do with this this ridiculousness. Because the Mage Clan Wars were basically caused by people summoning demons. That's, in fact, the big problem with a lot of this is trying to figure out exactly when it happened. The Mage Clan Wars almost certainly happened after Odyssean. Because before Odyssean, the, the, the Burning Hells had not actually found Sanctuary yet. Yeah, And, and I- so there were no packs to be had. Yeah, and I think they said that it was like the the decades that followed the events of the Sin War. Yeah, but and because time got weird, it's a little hard to pinpoint. Yeah, because of the reset, there it's. Uh, but 
Isu, you know, we'll go back to Isu for a minute here and try and, and try and explain. Like the ancients, when you hear the, the idea of the ancients, uh, the ancients are the Nephilim who were around in the beginning. Um, and you've Bolkathos, Esu, Fiaklikyar, uh, Linarian, aka Rathma, and some others. Uh, there's there's ones we don't like. There's the one that founded uh, the Scothos and the, the Amazons were descended from. Uh, and we'll get to that. But they were the, the, the original first generation of Nephilim. The ancients were the ones who were first born from the angels and the demons in Sanctuary. And Esu was the one who was kind of like, was really about the elements themselves, the, the, the natural world. Because Sanctuary is, an, is a world that has its own nature. It has its own, it's not like, if you look at the places where the angels and the demons come from, those are planes, they're shaped by kind of conception. They're shaped by the nature of the existence of the beings that live there. The angels are all born out of the crystal arch. The demons are all born out of the, the blasted carcass of Tathomet. Like they're like maggots in the, in the, in the carcass. And you know, the pandemonium planes, the fields of pandemonium are shifting between those two powers as they continuously war on them. There's, there's no set reality to that place. It, it changes constantly. The World Stone made Sanctuary as a place that endures. It has its own natural world. It's much as, you know, Bolkathos drew power from the idea of, like, you know, overcoming and dominating the world, and Fiaklagyar drew power from understanding the world, and the, the Esu was, the, it was the components of the world. The elemental nature, essentially, yeah, of it, the world. The, the things that made the world up. The idea of Esu basically went out and meditated on the powers of the storm, like of earth, fire, and water, and by meditating, understood how to control them. And with Esu's magic, Esu basically invented the magic the way that mortals could use it. Uh, before, you know, Esu, the, the ancients, the Nephilim, could, could control the world by the sheer power of their, you know, they, their connection to both, you know, good and evil, the, the primordial Anu that was both in one, the, the the Nephilim had that kind of power, but Esu managed to create a kind of magic that mortals could use, that humans could use. And the Zanasu clan are the, the, the sorceresses that you see in, in Diablo 2 and probably Diablo 4, though we don't know yet for sure. Um, they, they, they use her follow, they follow her teachings. Not all the mage clans follow her teachings. And in fact, the ones that, that Joe just mentioned, a lot of them summon demons. Um, they, they basically took the, the way that, that Esu invented the magic that Esu invented. They took it and learned different ways to use it. Uh, for instance, the wizard that you play in Diablo three is from Ziancel, as, as Joe mentioned, and she came, he or she came South to study with the, the mage clans, but ultimately rejected their teachings. And you'll notice the wizard does different things. Some of it's similar, like they, they, I believe that they have like a, a blizzard type spell, uh, ice storm or what have you. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't play a wizard very often, uh, but a lot, you'll notice the disintegrate spell and the arcane missiles that they fling off. It's more, pro it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of magic. It's basically just saying, I'm just going to use raw magical power. I'm not even going to waste time manipulating the elements with it. I'm just going to throw magic at you. And each school of magic that, that rose, each mage clan had their own approach to how they were using magic. They, they took what Esu had originally established and went off in their own directions with it. Um, during the Sin War, the, they existed. They were, their mage clans existed during the Sin War, and they thought that the druids and necromancers were essentially 
offshoots of their kind of school of magic. I think that's what you were talking about earlier, Joe. Yeah, so like uh, they're basically viewed as uh, from the mages' perspective, at least from what I can remember. Uh, oh, you're you are calling to nature. You're you're doing this. You're just like us and our elements. And the druids are just like, no, we're nothing like you. We're not dominating. Uh, the world we're asking the world we're in tune with it we're not we're not trying to manipulate it in an unnatural way uh, and then you have the necromancers or the priests of Rathma who they're like oh you can use arcane power to make these uh, automatons move and they're like no we're we're about balance we're not about dominating or making things go to our whim like we do this because we have to and this is how we maintain order but so it, it was interesting because like mages were trying to find common ground and I think during the Mage Clan Wars, they were actually like approached as, "Hey, come join us and help us win." Uh, which is like I'm I'm being very very uh, like boiling it down to to the base components, and pretty much both were just like, "Nah, we're good. We got our own stuff to deal with, and you we don't want anything to do with what you're doing." And you can hear some of that too with like if you play a wizard in uh, Diablo three. And you come across the NPC necromancer. There is some—I don't want to say it's like—it's not exhaustive dialogue, but the reaction is slightly different, right? Like there's there's almost like a um, revulsion, which I think is really fascinating. And I'm wondering how that's going to play into the future, especially with Diablo Four, and what role the necromancers might play in that moving forward. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 deal with the with the the, the Visjari in particular. Uh, as Joe pointed out, the, the various mage clans discovered demon summoning. They, they discovered the means to do it. And this was part of the whole deal where, where Odyssean ultimately reset the world. The Visjari caused the Triune Cult, which you've heard of if you've played Diablo 3, the Triune Cult has returned. Uh, the Triune Cult was basically a cult that worshipped the, uh, the three primevals. Um, uh, they they worshipped Diablo, Baal, and Mephisto, under different names as gods, mm-hmm. and that's that helped cause the sin war because it was the Triune versus Anarius that originally created the problems that Odysseus was responding to, and but as a result of that, that was how it was because the Visjari had learned how to summon demons, and and they they said they didn't the thing is is they didn't ban summoning demons, they banned telling people about summoning demons. They said, this has to stay secret. We have to keep this lore of demon summoning to ourselves, because if other people knew about it, they wouldn't understand. And the Visjari kept summoning demons and kept, you know, making deals with them. And it was, that's how the primevals originally found out about Sanctuary. That's how the Sin War happened in the first place. And after that, that's when the Mage Clan said, okay, you, you can't, like the other two, I can't. I, I was just looking at their names. The Ennead and the I can't remember the other one. I'm what? Yeah, the, the, they were like, okay, you can't summon demons anymore. Nobody can summon demons anymore. This this we the world was almost destroyed. We got to stop doing that. And so the the concept of what actually happened during the Sin War, everybody knew something bad had happened. Nobody knew what. Like they could the, they and this was a like think about how this affected the Mage Clans. Like they they didn't know what had happened, but they knew that blind faith and religion had not stopped it. They knew that the various religions at the world at that time, and this is, again, this is before the Zakarum faith existed. 
they were like, okay, we, we got to stop doing that, but we'll, we'll try reason. We'll try, you know, using our, the stuff that we use to get to be mages in the first place. We'll use that to, to control the world. And we'll, we'll run the, the new empire Kedjistan uh, based on those principles. And it didn't really work out because the Visjari were like constantly at odds with the other two mage clans for power over the nation. And they couldn't win without summoning demons. Well, the other thing so, that I think should be also like mentioned here is that demon summoning was an accident originally too. Like it wasn't what they had originally set out to do, which I, I think is fascinating. There was this belief that spirits sort of like existed uh, in sanctuary and outside of sanctuary, uh, and what those spirits were uh, was sort of in question. And that if you tried hard enough and, and studied hard enough and used your magic, you could actually well, make contact with them. Right, and that's actually it's it's the whole deal of the thinking the druids and the necromancers uh -huh. were like them. They were like, okay, well they can talk to spirits, so we'll we'll copy what they do, and. uh the Visjari sorcerer Jerry Harash is actually responsible for this, um, and he he was trying to do he was trying to replicate what he'd seen druids and necromancers do, and instead he reached the the, the, the burning hells, yeah, and that again started the whole sin war and everything. But th sure, that was accidental, but that was like at this point that was hundreds of years. Oh, ago. Oh yeah, and, I, I I just thought it was something to throw out there that like it wasn't uh, demon summoning wasn't the original intent. It just sort of became the thing. But it was it basically was born out of the the. The, the sorcerer's insistence that everybody was base everybody who did anything that wasn't like you know just picking up an axe was was secretly a wizard they mm -hmm. were like everyone's a sorcerer like us everybody's using magic like us it was their attempt to replicate what those people were doing without understanding the tradition that they were drawing from that led them to summoning demons because they they couldn't do what druids do druids can talk to the natural world Necromancers are disciples of Tragul, the dragon of the balance. Uh, the, the mage clans did not have that and so could not do it. And what ended up happening was as those three clans were, were, were fighting for power over the, 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 the empire of the Kedjistan, uh, they were, like I said, the Visjari couldn't dominate without demon summoning. So they began summoning demons again to use them to subdue the others. Um, and what happened was essentially this was proved that the Visjari were summoning demons, even though they had said that they shouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Um, the, the other two clans, the Ennead and Unult sent assassins and the, the assassins will come back to, because that's another class. I don't think we've got time in this entire episode for every class. No, this is probably going to be a, this is going to be a multi-episode thing. If we, but do they it, hired um... an assassin clan to go kill the Visjari who were summoning demons. And the Visjari were like, Oh, you're killing our people. Oh, that's how you want to do this. Okay, we'll hire assassins. And so they started hiring assassins to go kill the other members of the other mage clans. And the mage clan war basically erupted out of this conflict between these various groups. Now, I mentioned the Tan and the Zanesu. The Tan and the Zanesu weren't involved in this mage clan war because they weren't the ones trying to dominate uh, the, the empire. The Visjari were going to get wiped out. And... They, they were losing the war. And so they basically went, all right, F it. And they started summoning ton, tons of demons, just just constantly summoning them. And this led to the city of Vizjun being wiped out. It got blown off the face of the world. Uh, the, so many demons were summoned and so many, so many died. And 
it, there was like even like the, the the wizards on the other side of the of the mage clan war. The word wizard and sorcerer are kind of synonymous um, here. Yeah, I was gonna say they're almost interchangeable. It's just mostly a, a difference of philosophy. But when the Mage Clan War finally ended, it, it, was, it ended when, like, for instance, uh, the figure Bartok, who's kind of always, the, he's also known as the Warlord of Blood, and you know he was a mem- he was the most powerful member of the Vizjeri Clan. His demons got turned on him; they were turned against him, and and you know it, it, the whole thing was just uh, just a mess. And at the end of it, uh, after that, after the, uh, the destruction of Vizjun, the the mages just weren't loved in their homeland anymore because why would they uh the visitor were like f it we're not summoning anything ever again like nope no more summoning you can't summon anything uh and they they formed a secret police within the clan that that would hunt them down if they tried doing it and the age of magic essentially ended uh it was the the people of kedjistan were like they they basically looted the mage hand holdings they they destroyed everything that they had they left one place that because they couldn't get to it um i'm trying to remember uh i think it was the ashari sanctum yeah the ashari sanctum is the one place they didn't go to because everything else all the libraries all the tomes of the mage clans were destroyed their holdings were destroyed only the like isolated mage clans like the tan and the zanesu were left untouched and the, the power of of sorcerers over kedjistan was broken like that's the end of the their their dominance for untold centuries until fairly recently um the trade consortium of chaldeum after after the dark neatristum after the, the the dark wanderer um the chaldeum became the capital of kedjistan it wasn't for the longest time but it became so when when the dark wanderer came through and and just utterly messed everything up because chaldeum was the was the trade hub uh, but it was it was originally Karast that was the the you know most empower, important city, and it was the capital city. Karast was the capital city of Kedjistan up until Diablo II, which is when the Dark Wanderer wanders through Karast on his way to uh, Mephisto's imprisonment. Chaldeum, when it when it said, "Okay, we're we're the capital now, and the, we run Kedjistan now," Chaldeum basically reached out to the Mage Clans and was like, "Uh, we need help," and so since the the Zacharum faith, which had run the empire for centuries, was now in disorder. It was just basically destroyed by Mephisto's release. They they reached out to the mage clans, and the mage clans were like, "All right, uh, we'll back you, but in return, we get a position of more importance." And uh, it's kind of like the sanctum, you know, the, the sanctum of the of the uh, the mages, the the Shari sanctum. It's in Chaldeum. So that's one of the reasons that the the, na- the nation of Chaldeum reached out to it, the city of Chaldeum, sorry. And because of that, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Basically, what you get in Chaldeum is you get there are like three ages of of Kedjistan. There's the age of magic in Kedjistan, which is the one we just talked about, where it was ultimately fell apart because of the Mage Clan Wars. Then there's the age of faith, where the Zakrum Church became the power and ran the empire for you know thousands of years, and then when that fell apart due to, to Mephisto and Baal and Diablo, um, the mage clans in Chaldeum, basically it started, became the age of trade. And for 20 years or so, that's what was going on. But now we have, we don't really know yet what happened between Diablo three and Diablo four, because Diablo four hasn't come out yet. We do know that, that whatever 
Malfiel was doing, it killed a lot of people. Like, I don't, I think at one point they said like nine out of 10 died. And I don't know if that's actually the canon going into the game or if that's just somebody like pulling a number out of their head while talking about it. But enough people died that at this point in Diablo 4, it seems that Kedjistan is not a nation anymore. Like there's no central authority. It feels like the mage clans may finally be gone, that there's nobody to, to hold Kedjistan together and it is falling apart. Um, but the, the wizard class that you see in Diablo 3 are students from the Ashari Sanctum that have left. They've actually started their own tradition. Uh, they've, they've basically abandoned the, the mage clans. Uh, most people from mage clans are, are what you'd call sorcerers. The sorceress from Diablo 2 is on the Zan Esu clan, who was obviously never involved in the Ashari Sanctum, never involved in the mage clan wars. The Zan Esu have been minding their own business and pursuing pure elemental magic for untold centuries. And that's the sorcerer you see in Diablo 2, and probably in Diablo 4. Uh, it's almost certainly the same class. The sorcerer from Diablo 1, could we have no idea where that guy's from. We don't know what clan he's from. We don't know if he's from a clan at all. We don't know what the deal is with that guy. We just know that he was a sorcerer. Uh, he could have learned magic from a, you know, he could have been one of the Haradrim. Because that's the competing, the the other competing magical tradition, which is born out of the mage clans. It's it's born out of that same tradition, is the Haradrim. But the Haradrim are also inspired by a specific being. Um, and then they're not really a class in Diablo, but it's important to know about the Haradrim. So I feel like I feel like we should do a little bit of a sidetrack here. Yeah, and I think it, it fits too because like there there is some cross bleed between like even with the mages like the the Viz the Viz Jactar. I'm again pronunciation not going to be a strong suit here. Uh, I think they were mentioned in the Book of Cain in particular in like as a parallel to the Haradrim in in general. So yeah, the Haradrim probably is a, a good de- a good side track as far yeah, as yeah when goes. when. The uh the the mage the sin war happened and after it and then the mage clan wars happened and so forth. Um, Tyriel was concerned with what was going on in Sanctuary because he realized that the 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 big three uh, Diablo, Baal, and Mephisto could be trusted. You couldn't have a pact with them. When when Heaven and Hell came up with their pact of non-interference in Sanctuary, he knew that that was basically like waving a red flag in front of a bull. It was like they're gonna interfere. That they're in fact. The whole idea of them making a pact is ridiculous. They, they by nature, they cannot keep their word. Like, they, they will keep the word of what they've pledged to the letter, but they will immediately find a way to twist it so that they can get what they want. That's their nature. They corrupt things. They, they're not trustworthy. You, can't, you cannot trust them. You can only trust them to be deceptive and deceitful because that's their nature. Um, so... He decided, okay, I need to come up with a way to defend Sanctuary that, strictly speaking, doesn't violate the the pact. Because I'm an angel, I can't do that. And what he came up with was, well, if I if I there's nothing in the pact that says I can't talk to them. It just says I can't go, I can't do anything on Sanctuary. I can't take action, but I can talk to them. Mm-hmm. So he found a group. Of, of various mages who'd seen the devastation caused by the, the mage clan war and the demon summoning and all that. And he said, okay, bad things are coming. The, the, the prime evils are going to come up with a way to get onto sanctuary. I'm going to teach you a way to confine them. And it was, he gave them the knowledge of the, of soul stones, 
which required them to to get pieces of the world stone and that keep in mind the world stone had been defended by the barbarians we were talked about that earlier had been defended by the barbarians for like literal centuries rockis had led armies north to try and conquer the barbarians and had failed but there were still some pieces of the world stone available because the world stone had been in pandemonium for eons before it was brought to sanctuary before sanctuary was created with it and the various angels and demons had taken pieces away from it so here's where Tyriel essentially cheats because he gives them pieces of the world stone that's pretty close to straight up interference yeah um, but he does it. I'm not sure if he if he gives them to them or just tells them where they can find them. Like I don't know if he knows that Inarius had pieces. I mean, Inarius was studying the World Stone for eons. The Nephilim studied the World Stone. It's I'm sure that there were pieces to be had. I don't know exactly how that worked, but he taught them how to use those pieces to create the Soul Stones, and the Soul Stones could trap the various demons that they were keyed to. Um, one particular member of the Haradrim. A uh, guy named Zoltan Cool, however, was smarter than Tyriel realized. And he, looking at what Tyriel had taught them, the first thing he realized was like, yeah, these things will confine demons, but I could make one that could confine anything. How come he hasn't told us how to do that? What's he, what's he hiding? And he came to realize that the angels didn't like Sanctuary or the people of Sanctuary much better than the demons did. Uh, he found out about the Sin War, for one thing. In the process of doing this, he awakened to his own Nephilim nature. You'll notice that in Diablo 3, he's constantly calling the, the Nephilim a, 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 basically a, a peer. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar situation. He, un, he understood what he was. He understood that all humans were ultimately you know, the, the result of the Nephilim's creation, that it was in every human the potential to become a Nephilim that led to all these weird magical powers and abilities on Sanctuary. Um, the reason that mortals could use magic at all was that piece of the of the truly divine, the piece of the original primordial Anu that resides in each and every one of us. And so Zoltan Kul created what he would call the Black Soul Stone. And as a result of that, the Haradrim hunted him down, couldn't kill him. And so they took all the blood out of his body, cut his head off and his body into pieces. And banished and him to the, the Shadow Realm. Yeah, so... They they went this they they did as much as they could to to punish him for making the black soul stone. But regardless, the three soul stones were still in use. Um, they broke up into three groups, and the uh, the, the original leader of the Haradrim, a, a wizard named Tal Rasha, um, went after Mephisto. No, was it Mephisto or Baal? No, it was Baal. Baal. He went after Baal. Another group went after Mephisto, and a third group led by an ancestor of Deckard Cain, I think his name was Torad Cain, but I can never remember what the original one's name was, uh, went after Diablo. Um, Diablo and, and, and Mephisto were captured and put in the Soul Stones, but Talrasha's group, the Soul Stone got, got broken because Baal is the Lord of Destruction. He destroyed it. And so lacking a second, they didn't have Zoltan Kul to make another Soul Stone for them. The lacking another option, they imprisoned Baal inside Talrasha. This was Talrasha's idea, uh, thinking, proving amongst other things that Talrasha, you know, Ta everybody keeps having this idea of putting demon lords inside them. Yeah, I don't uh, know why they, they think this is a good idea. It's, it, it ends up not working out too well. But Talrasha, using the two the pieces of the soul stone that was broken, manages to confine Baal within his body and is then locked in a tomb underneath. Oh, bloody heck. I can't remember the name of the city it was it, he was under, but El Alaman? Is that it? Uh, possibly. I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah. yeah. But he they can find him in a tomb underneath the city, 
And as for Diablo and Mephisto, Mephisto is actually taken to the sacred city next to Karast. And I I'm, cannot remember it, but it's right across the way from Karast. It's right there. And he's imprisoned in what was the brand new Zakarum Holy Temple. And the, the priests of the Zakarum were entrusted with, with watching over that soul stone. The third soul stone was taken out to a tiny little monastery that it, and, it, and it wasn't a Zakaru monastery. It was actually a Haradrim monastery at the time and buried underneath that, figuring, okay, nobody knows where this place is, so it's a good place to hide him. And, I mean, this worked for a while. The, 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 the three evils were confined for a significant chunk of time. Unfortunately, almost all of it was banana pants. Mm, yeah. And as a result of the confinement of Mephisto, uh, the Zakaru faith now had a a, a demon lord who of lies and deception buried underneath its sacredest place. And he started reaching out. He couldn't like he was trapped in the soul stone. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do anything, but he could talk. And unfortunately, because this was really good at talking. Yeah. And that's sort of like the great flaw of the soul stones. Right. And and this is something that we've learned that nobody's perfected. Even, even Zoltan cool, who was arguably probably the, most powerful of the mages at the time, uh, just or at just least from, the most expert at soul stones. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you could imprison something within it, but by the very nature of the soul stones, and I don't know if this is just an oversight, but again, soul stones were part of the world stone, the world stone mm-hmm. created sanctuary. So if you put something inside of something that made the world, you're trying to protect great, powerful things might still have a way to influence the world around them. It's like, yeah, it's one of those weird moments of why did nobody think of this? I think it's to a certain degree. It feels like the soul stones were a stopgap because keep in mind that Tyrael was working entirely by himself. Yeah. He didn't have access to the other angels. He couldn't even tell them what he was doing because if he did, they'd be like, you know, he'd be dragged in front of Imperius for betraying the pact. Cause keep in mind that the angels don't care what happens to sanctuary at all. They don't want the demons to have it because they don't want them to use it as a farm for eternal, you know, if they could corrupt the entire world of sanctuary, they could basically just keep throwing sanctuary things at the angels until the angels are softened up and then come at the angels in their full force. That's what the angels are afraid of, but they don't care about sanctuary. They'd re- they'd sooner see it destroyed than deal with the problem. So the non-interference pact was basically a, a compromise because Imperius couldn't get the votes to wipe out sanctuary. But he sure as heck wasn't going to put himself out, and Malthiel wasn't making any decisions. As the the swing vote, Malthiel could have decided, okay, no, I back Imperius, but he didn't. And as a result of Malthiel not backing him and Tyrael not backing him, the world didn't get destroyed. But there was no consensus on the Angeris Council to defend Sanctuary. So Tyrael had no, no backup. And the Haradrim, which was his creation, was his attempt to do it. It was his attempt to create a defense for sanctuary against the prime evils. Yeah. Which makes sense. And it was when your back is against the wall, any defense is better than no defense. Right. And that's really what the sort of the situation was. But I think we, I don't know if we want to pull it to a close for today and go back into some of the classes, because while we've talked about mages and the legacy of Zoltan cool, uh, talking about the Haradrim and their interaction with it as a result of it. I think we can call it for today and come back next week and start talking about uh, the Assassin Order, how they were created, their involvement in uh, Diablo 2 and coming to light. And I think that was... Yeah, I will say this. I want to say this much. The Sorcerers are the original deal. 
in terms of arcane casters on Sanctuary. Um, wizards are a recent a, a recent version of them. Mm-hmm. If you call yourself a wizard, you're basically somebody who's had training at the Shari Sanctum, but who decided, no, this is dumb, and went off into the world. And the, the, it's like a, it's sort of like a generational thing, where if you're a wizard, you're basically just a sorcerer. You're just a sorcerer who's doing it slightly differently and using different magics. Um, but it is essentially the sorcerer from Diablo, the sorcerer from Diablo 2, the wizard from Diablo 3, and the sorcerer from Diablo 4 are all basically following the same tradition. They're doing it differently, but they're all related. And I think that that's the real takeaway here. It's it's just different words for the same basic idea. Yeah, more or less. But I think that's going to do it for our, our episode today. Uh, thank you very much, Fuzz, for that uh, wonderful gift that's going to keep on giving, because I think it has been a long time since we really dedicated any sort of length of time to Diablo, and I think it's time that maybe we actually do give it some leeway or or, or some time in the sun, especially with Diablo Immortal on the horizon and Diablo 4 in the future. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast Podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, and again, thank you very much. If you do have questions for the show, please send them in. We will be gathering them up for when we're done with this run of episodes uh, or interspersed in between. Haven't decided yet. We're going to figure out how that's going to work. Uh, but send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Again, singular. Or if you are a Patreon supporter, you can go to our Discord channel uh, set aside specifically for Patreon supporters. It's podcasting Q questions. Uh, If you don't have Patreon, don't want to send us an email, uh, but you're still in the Discord, we do have a Q questions uh, section on the Discord where you can go ahead and ask us questions for the podcast as well. As always, just specify which podcast they're for uh, so that Matt and I can conserve our energy for those mud fights that we have to have between each episode for those questions. Uh, Matt, anything else you want to add before we part ways for the evening? Uh, one thing I will mention is that the Assassin Order existed before the Mage Clan Wars, but it's the Mage Clan Wars that made them as big as they ended up being. That is very true. And we're going to talk about that more in the next episode. So thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.